Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? You've got a clean slate. Pick up a pen and write what you want to be and what you want it to look like. Draw on your backstory as motivation and for momentum, but it does not dictate what your future story is. Kate Christie is a time management expert and has taught thousands globally how to save precious hours a month and then how to use that time to design and live their best lives. A previous corporate lawyer and senior executive, Kate is a sought-after media commentator and is widely regarded for her dynamic, engaging and motivational presentations, where she inspires audiences with the right strategies and habits to find, harness and better use her time. She is bloody epic on stage, let me tell you. She's also the best-selling author of five books, clearly very good at managing time, and her latest is one that every single one of you listening needs to read. It's called The Life List, and you know we all know that mantra that life is too short. Kate's motto is that you only live once and later might be too late. I adore this woman, her message and all that she stands for. She's had some major stuff to overcome, but is using that to design and propel her into every day, living a life that she loves deeply. Get ready to learn how you too can implement your own life list and live a more audacious life. Kate, I am so excited to sit down with you today. You and I have a lot to talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Michelle. I am delighted to be here. Oh, that's wonderful. So, Kate, you have recently written a book, which I could guess your title that you're going to talk about, but if there is one thing you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? Having a life list instead of having a bucket list. Love it. Absolutely love it. Now, describe to us and explain what is a life list and what's the difference between a life list and a bucket list. I think we're all familiar with a bucket list. You know, it's based on the movie, a couple of old guys are terminally ill and they put together their list of things they want to do before they kick the bucket. And that's, I guess, my point of difference is I don't want to wait until I'm terminal or about to die to live an amazing life and start doing all the incredible things that I want to do. So, We're asking the wrong question. I think we need to stop asking what do I want to do before I die and start asking what do I want to do while I'm still young enough to live it and love it and enjoy it. So let's have a life list, a list of things that we want to do and be from today onwards, not a list of things that we're putting off until later. Later might be too late. Yeah, absolutely. And later is often too late. And, you know, there are all those lists and books that are out about, you know, the things that people regret on their deathbed and stuff. So I guess you're trying to mitigate that. And you are absolutely talking my language. That's why I was super excited to get you on the show. So what is it that drove this for you, Kate? How did you get here? Sure. Look, I've always been a goal setter. I'm a big set that bar high girl and jump over it kind of lady. So goal setting wasn't a new concept to me. However, 
I think I was doing goal setting kind of wrong. I was setting one big goal at a time and chasing after it and then you'd have this vacuum and then, okay, I'll set another big goal and chase after it. And that was how I was living my life. And as I approached my late 40s, early 50s, I was starting to think, you know, there must be more, you know, what, what am I doing wrong? What could I be doing better? I think at this time of our lives, it's a time of huge reflection. You know, I'm kind of halfway to 100. What do I want to do differently? We hit COVID and everyone was reflecting about their lives and the way they're working. And a month after we went into lockdown for the first time, my ex-husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And within 11 months, he had passed away and he was only 54. And it was every bit as brutal as you could possibly imagine going through that process with him, but also going through that process with my children and watching them lose their dad and grieve his death even before he was gone. And it just caused me, I guess, to really think differently about how I was living my own life. I didn't want to leave things to too late. You know, he had a lot of regrets, particularly around how he'd fathered and and the time he had or hadn't spent with his kids. And after his diagnosis, you know, he was an incredible dad and we spent a lot of time with him and he spent a lot of time with his kids. And those last 11 months were amazing, but he did talk to me about the things that he'd missed out on and the things he was going to miss out on and the things he'd wished he'd prioritised and done differently. And I guess it was his parting gift to me that life is too short, work out what it is you want to do, who you want to be with, what you want to be, the behaviours you enjoy in yourself, the things you're prepared to not accept in others and start making those changes today. Don't wait until later because later often is going to be too late. Yeah, as I said, you're speaking my language and it's it, you know something I've done in the last sort of three to four years, I think living testament, the fact of the you know, ASX broad director by day and a potter by night is what I've become. And also I have multiple streams of income and that's sort of something I'm trying to instill in others that you can do things a little bit differently. One of the things I want to dig a bit deeper with you is it's easy to have a list, I guess, of, you know, the places you want to go. Like uh, people always go, oh, I want to travel to these places and, you know, these are kind of experience I want to have. I want to eat at that restaurant or have you, in the work you've done since you've released the book, and the book is called The Life List Mastering Every Moment, so deeper than that, that's probably my first question about the types of things you you know, you know recommend to put on your list and other things that have surprised you that people have sort of come out with that they want to put on their list? Yeah, so firstly, as you say, the life list, it goes way beyond just travel and adventure. A bucket list is often really limited to travel and adventure, And also to adventure that's kind of crazy and might even hasten your death, you know, all the silly shit people do like jump out of planes and swim with sharks. So I want your life list to be much more extensive and I I talk about it in the book as sort of seven life chapters around your your health, your wealth, uh, lifestyle and environment, giving, you know, what do you want your legacy to be? your relationships, you know, travel and adventure is absolutely one of those chapters, but it's not just the only thing. So behaviours or things that I've instigated or changed, and it can be big and small. It doesn't have to be the climb the mountain, plant a million trees kind of goals. You know, it's I've got things on my life list like tell my kids I love them every single day even when they're shitting me and, you know, stop vacuuming so much, eat more lollies, you know, s- swear more. 
So it's it's really about what sort of life do I want to live and what do I want to enjoy doing? And, of course, there's the big things on there. You know, for example, I decided to go sober and not drink. I swim every morning with my two sisters and see them every single day. I, I go over and see my dad. He lives a few doors down and we sit in the sun every single day and have a cup of tea. So it doesn't have to be all about climbing the mountains and travelling down the Nile. It's really about what makes me happy, what makes the people I love the most happy, and how do we then create a life around that where I feel like I'm constantly filling my cup, that I'm not just being busy and I'm prioritising the things that are most important to me. It's beautiful, actually, because I can imagine people listening at the start going, yeah, yeah, that's easy. And, you know, I'm I'm slogging it out at my job and I've got kids that I'm trying to manage and bills to pay, especially, you know, with everything going on at the moment. But I love the simplicity that you've just described then about those kind of key elements of what's important to you and, you know, to those that you love and what's important to them the act of swimming with your sister and having a cuppa with your dad, like just beautiful stuff, Kate, like fabulous. Yeah, and it is, it is simple. And absolutely I've got the big things on there. I've just come back from living in Bali for seven weeks because that was on my life list. I wanted to practice being a digital nomad. And while I was there, I learned to surf because I've always wanted to be a surfy chick. And I climbed Mount Rinjani, which is Indonesia's second highest active volcano. So I'm doing the big stuff, but there's lots and lots and lots of the fill your cup, life-affirming, joyful things about just positioning yourself to live life a little bit differently. It's a consciousness. It's about saying, is this the way I really want to live my life? And for many of us, it's not. And so go through that process of self-reflection and make some changes. And they don't have to be all astronomical changes, but change. Mm. So where would you start out of those sort of seven life chapters that you talked about and like what are the elements that you think is probably the easiest if someone wants to start today where would you recommend that and can I just actually preface that by the fact that you have been a time management expert for most of your career (laughs) so I imagine you do this shit well (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah I do I do do this shit well because I am the time management expert and I am very process driven my starting point is to develop frameworks to say, okay, how do I get myself from point A to B? So I write about them in the book and share them so that you can follow the process as well. So it's you don't have to kind of work out how to do this stuff yourself. The frameworks in the book will show you exactly how to get yourself from point A to point B. In terms of where to start, I, being a very practical person, I started with some rules for myself. So what will make it onto my life list? And I had four rules For something to be on my life list, it has to satisfy one or more of the rules and hopefully all four. And if it satisfies all four, then I know it's a big priority and I will make it the next goal. So first rule I have is it has to be glorious. There has to be an element of gloriousness in what I'm doing. The second thing is it has to be outside my comfort zone. The third thing is it has to be challenging, which is really different to being outside your comfort zone. You know, climbing a mountain might be challenging for me, but it's not outside my comfort zone because I hike all the time. And then the fourth thing is that it has to be new. So set your own rules and and write down your rules of what it'll take to make the list. And I, I work with groups on this and, and when they come up with their rules and I always feel really jealous and think, shit, I wish I had their rules because other people's rules always sound really, really good. <laughs> well, you can, you can break rules and create new ones. Like that's, it's your game, right? It is. It is your game. 
The next thing is to understand that there's three different types of goals we should be tackling at any given time. The first is we have go big goals, the big, hairy, audacious, I'm going to travel around the world or I'm going to plant a million trees or I'm going to start a charity. Really big goals with lots of moving parts that require a lot of planning and systemizing. The second type of goal is the go small goals. We want to have three or four of these a month where we're constantly filling our cup with things that fall outside of business as usual. It has to be outside the course of what you'd normally do. So your go small goal can't be, I'm going to try and get to the supermarket this week because you're going to do that anyway. It's got to be something different, but it's not so huge that it's going to take months in planning. And then the third type of goal you should be tackling or tracing down, which is the hardest for me by far, is the go now goals. Those acts of spontaneity where someone says, hey, do you want to? And you just say yes and jump. And they're the hardest ones for me. So hard, in fact, Michelle, that I had to plan last year that August was going to be my month of being spontaneous. (laughs) And I appreciate the irony of planning a month to be spontaneous, but it worked for me. And then the next thing you do is you sit down and you just start writing a list from your heart and it's got to include things you want to do and experience, behaviours you want to get rid of or take on, habits you want to form, people that you want to be around more of or maybe people that you want to let go from your life. And it's a real process of self-reflection in terms of what actually makes me happy. What a beautiful uh, framework. I want to start now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a wedge in the framework. Yeah, it's fantastic. But, you know, setting those kind of guidelines, then it actually gives a process that makes it easier. Because when I was sort of doing the research and, you know, been following you for a while and stuff, and I was like, how do I do this? Like, because I have a list of different things and being in travel and tourism for as long as I have, like, I've probably crossed off most of the places that I want to see. I mean, that's, as you say, the classic type of stuff. And I am spontaneous and happy to kind of do stuff and, and say yes all the time when people go, do you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So they're not a lot of things that I hold back from, I guess, but there are absolutely bigger elements and goals that I could probably uh, do a bit of work on, I imagine. Yeah, look, I think we all can And I think we should all be working on our goals all of the time. I mean, you think about the people you know around you and and as a as a coach and as a woman who works very closely with professionals and senior executives and people in business around their time management, what always really strikes me is it's very rare to come across someone who actively envisages what their life is going to look like in the next five years and then they chase it down. Most people get to that real senior level by very, very hard work, kind of good positioning and seizing opportunities that come their way. And I think it's incredible that they get to the level that they are. But my question to them is always imagine how much further you could be if you actually engineered some of this stuff for yourself, if you actually sat down with intent and worked out what life could and should look like for you, design it. Design the life you deserve for yourself and your family over the next one, three, five, ten years, and then actively with intent chase those goals down. Imagine how much more you could achieve. Oh, yeah. You're speaking to me. I like the last couple of days, it's just been interesting. Some of the podcasts I've been listening to, and one yesterday, it was around people saying, this is not where I thought I'd be. And especially, I guess, people getting to our age, you know, they're like, well, I just didn't imagine my life would be like this. And so the question I ask is, well, what 
did you imagine your life to be like? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, well, therein lies the problem. <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's over. Like, we're halfway through. I'm like you. I'm like, I'm living to 94. So uh, I got a long way to go yet. And how do I create and craft and build and design the life that I want to live? And I think one thing about turning 50 is that you don't give a shit about what anyone thinks anymore, especially as a woman. You know, stop living a life that everyone's telling you to live. Like mates that are over 50 that are still living lives that their parents, you know, basically are living for their parents. I'm like, enough. Like you should have stopped that 30 years ago. Yeah, and it's time to stop. It honestly is, you know, the, the book is very intentionally aimed at women our age because we are going through that process of reflection. We are... You know, we've been givers and we're, we're nurturers and we've given and given and, and all of a sudden we're at this age where we're pretty senior in our roles or in our businesses. We're quite independent. We may or may not have kids, but if we do, they're probably kind of in the process of breaking up with us. We're time affluent. Forbes describes us as super consumers. Women in their 50s are the most educated, healthy, wealthy, savvy, opinionated women of any generation of women in their 50s ever before you think about your mum when she was 50 think about your grandma when she was 50 we are worlds away from that woman and we have choice and we have to actively exercise that choice it's our turn now the other thing is to understand that every single one of us has a backstory right you know we've all had trauma we've all had heartache we've all had conflict and mountains that we've had to get over in our personal and emotional lives we all have a backstory but that will inform your future, but it doesn't dictate your future. Your backstory should inform you, but you get to write your future story. So regardless of how you got to the point you're at now, you've got a clean slate, lady. Pick up a pen and write what you want to be and what you want it to look like and definitely draw on your backstory as motivation and, and for momentum, but it does not dictate what your future story is. I so love that, Kate. Like... Can people just rewind that last two minutes and listen to Kate again? Because that is so important. Like everything you just said then, people really need to resonate and sit with that because it's so true. You know, and you've had incredibly traumatic experiences as have I. And to your point, you know, some people are like, oh, no, I've been cruising along. But I'm like, well, why the fuck are you living the life you are then? And maybe that's it. Maybe because when we have huge trauma, it kind of does shake the shit out of you and make you realize that, this is not how I want to live or there's more to life or, wow, I just survived that because I'm clearly destined to do something else, not the mundane nine-to-five work for these dickheads that I've been doing. And if you haven't had that experience, if you're listening to this and you haven't had that type of trauma or experience that we've had to, to kick us in the butt and do it, then my advice to you is to learn from others and actually use that as your drive to change your life. And how lucky you are that you haven't had that, but doesn't mean it you should stop you from living the life that's absolutely right for you. Absolutely. It's, you know, tap into that. It is a huge motivator. And as you say, it doesn't have to be the huge trauma for you to make a decision that you just want to live life a little bit differently. You know, so many women I'm speaking to, there's a general sense of dissatisfaction. And, and they may love their partner or they may not. They may be in a relationship or they may not. They may be a mum or they may not. But there's this general sense of, Hmm. People then, you know, get a little gloomy or they say, oh, midlife is awful or I'm menopausal or, you know, midlife is fucking fantastic. It's not a crisis. It's a catalyst. You know, seize this. Seize this time and become the woman you want to be and that you know you can be. 
and it's such an exciting point in your life and don't just sit and watch another show on Netflix for Christ's sakes write a list of all the things you want to do and be and then go out and start doing it maybe maybe your Netflix list is on your list (laughs) Kate I want to um you've had such an interesting career trajectory to get to where you are you're a corporate lawyer you know you've written five books then you become this time management kind of guru that speaks you know globally on all these topics what is it that brings you the most joy in everything that you do and the other part I really have to I can't let you go without asking you some really good time management tips as well because <laughs> I want I want to draw on that I'll be like damn I need to know what are your top tips if someone's going to change something and be more effective because I'm a very fast and good outputter but I get distracted very easily so I'd love some great tips on how to get shit done better faster you know more effectively whatever okay so in terms of the first question kind of what motivate what lights me up I guess two things, as you said, I'm a, an author and a speaker and a coach and I, I love the speaking. Like I just love being on stage. I'm a bit of an introvert, which people find surprising, but, you know, get me on a stage and seriously, if you, if you gave me some tap shoes while I was presenting, I, I would definitely do a tap dance. Um, so being on stage and presenting and sharing my knowledge is my favourite thing. The second part of that is I just love motivating and helping people change their lives and and that's from time management right through to goal setting you know my job is on that spectrum where I help you find the time you need to live the life you love that's what I love doing is making a difference and giving you time or if I've given you time then helping you design how you're going to use it in terms of some great time management tips okay we're going to play a game and your listeners can play along this is my first big tip So when I say go, Michelle, I want you to count out loud as fast as you can from number one through to number 26, and your listeners can do it as they listen. So every single number from number one to 26, go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, 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 a, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, M, N, R, B, Q, R, S, T, U, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. Okay. I've just got this image of all these people sitting in their cars doing this. Okay. This time you're going to go 1, A, 2, B, all the way through to 26, Z, go. 1, A, 2, B, 3, C, 4, D, e, 5, E, 6, G, 7. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. That's actually harder than you think. So my number one tip My biggest tip is we cannot multitask. When you just had numbers to do, you shot them out. When you just had letters to do, you were fine. When I asked you to force your brain to quickly switch tasks from a number to a letter, back to a number, back to a letter, we get to like 3C, 4D, and and there's that nervous laughter where it's like, shit, am I the only one who doesn't know how to do this? Very few of us can do it. 2% of the human population can actually multitask. They're called supertaskers. For the rest of us mere mortals, which is you, me, and literally everyone listening to this podcast except maybe one person, one task at a time. The second thing I'd say is be really conscious of interruptions and distractions. So you said that you're a great outputter, but you get a bit distracted. The two forms of distraction come from people interrupting you or you looking for self-distraction. 40% of interruptions are self-imposed where we go looking for the distraction. 
So batch your calendar or batch your time in sort of sprints of say 25 to 45 minutes and try and stay focused on one task. Set a little egg timer, little two-minute timer for the 35, 45 minutes and work against the clock. If you're in a team and you've got a team of people around you, say to them, don't interrupt me for the next hour or two hours or as a team agree from 9 till 11, we don't interrupt each other, we just get shit done. Um, and then after that, it's free for all. We can ask lots of questions and whatnot. But having that interruption-free time to really, truly get into flow will completely change your day and you need to do it in the morning because often we're at our best, our most energetic, insightful, creative, enthusiastic in the morning. So that's your sacred time. You need to build like a 20-foot-high bulletproof fence around that time and and just focus on one task at a time. Love it. Now I have some great tips and I'm resonating very much on those elements so we could think for me to look at. Kate, I'd like to finish with your top life list for you, either the one you've achieved or one you're yet to achieve. Oh, I love that. I'm going to go with fresh and recent, uh, living and working out of Bali for seven weeks and practicing being the digital nomad and being completely on my own. And just being in my own head for seven weeks was just absolutely spectacular. And then at the end of that, tacking on seven days to learn how to surf and standing up and being a full-on gidget chick, very, very high on my happy list at the moment. Oh, I love it. How is it being by yourself as a, a mum and especially a single mum in later years to have that like in weeks, not just days, but weeks by yourself? Did you surprise yourself, if, as you said, you're a bit of an introvert, that you actually enjoyed it or did you get a little bit lonely or were there times that you're like, oh, I wish my kids were here or my mates? Or All of that. I, I, I absolutely loved it. There were days where I just didn't speak to anybody and it was just glorious. And I think the thing I loved most about the isolation was that I didn't have to make decisions for anybody just myself. You know, I, I, I didn't have anyone coming at me wanting me to make decisions for them. And it was just so glorious. But I did miss my kids and my one of my sons came to visit me and it was incredible and we had a completely different relationship because we hung out as mates and then he went off with his girlfriend and then they invited me to go and hang out with them and climb a volcano and then they were going off to make jewellery and they said, come along. And I felt like I'd moved into this new relationship with them as adults and as friends and so that was incredible. I also proved to myself that I have a business that I can run offshore, that my clients will come with me and we can meet online. So it's very, very doable. But I miss my dad. I miss my sisters. I miss my routine. But it was truly, truly spectacular for my soul. Oh, beautiful. Kate, you're one interesting human and it's been gorgeous to chat to you today. I think you and I are going to remain in each other's orbit but for now, everyone needs to read the life list and to take on all your uh, great tips and framework and to, you know, even if you make one little change in your life, it's going to uh, make a better you and probably happier, right? Absolutely. And a better you means that you're better for everyone else. You know, we, if we fill our own cup, we turn up so much better for everyone else. So true. Thank you, Kate. My pleasure. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour? 
please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com. Listener.